Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. Merry Christmas! We head back to the South Pacific this week with Nagasa Oshima's 1983 Second World War epic, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Yes. Mike B. Yes, sir. And Nate. I'm Father Christmas. <laughs> I can't do the mouth thing that Michael did. Earlier. I can't do that. If I had some sake, I could probably do an even better impression. Sake. Hold on, I'll sake. go get some. Hold on, I'll go get some. Oh god! I actually, I actually thought about that. I have plum sake upstairs. Sake. Oh, I really sake. wanted the sake. Sake. Oh. Okay. Sake. That's how it's pronounced. Sake. Sake. Yes. All right. Love sake. Anyway, so what do you guys think? <laughs> At least I don't say sake. You know, I've heard some people oh. Okay, it's James. A sink, it's a sink glass. Well, pass me over that, Sicky. Yeah. yeah. That dumb, that dumb sink glass. Yeah, hey. <laughs> I hate that. I hate all of that right now. I ain't got nothing on you. So what'd you no, guys some think? Some bitch. Um, some of bitch. What's the start? First impressions. Me it. I always start first. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I never seen it before. Um, it was okay. Uh, it's all right. I, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's always a, a interesting seeing David Bowie. Uh, he actually does have a pretty uh, prolific film career. He has been in quite a, b- a few things. Um, so uh, not too bad. Interesting to see the you know this perspective. A lot of emphasis on the Japanese perspective, which is a bit different so that's kind of cool i think this was half british half japanese film or something um so uh makes sense there but um a little long uh but uh <laughs> other than that is is all right um not too bad uh nate no i don't want to um, talk about the movie i mean it's, <laughs> it's i mean it's it's this was uh I, I can see why people like this movie um, the same way Brian likes, you know, come and see. I think it's like, you know, the this the, <laughs> the face he made. <laughs> Excuse um, me. He, he, nope, nope. He, Bri- no, Bri- Brian's face. I, anyway, the uh, but like, again, like I, I think it's I, I think it's very interesting in its approach in its ability to try to launch a subject that I think by 1983. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I don't think was really kind of touched on in cinema in that per se, Um, because my saturation of prisoner war camps, specifically Japanese prisoner war camps is uh, what's that Don? What's that Keith Sutherland movie Um, with that guy from 28 days later? Um, I don't know. It's not ringing any bells. Uh, oh shit! What's it called? Tears under the sun, or, or something like that? Maybe I don't no. know. Anyway, the fuck are you talking? And about? There's a Japanese camp with the guy with the guy from Braveheart, and he's the and 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 the guy from Twenty Days Later, and Keith or Sutherland, and a couple other, and and the guy, oh god, the guy from uh, uh, 
Kingsman. Anyway, long adjutant rant doesn't matter. The point is, is that I've I've seen other war films similar to that kind of setting, and so I had to like go okay, like try to make it so I haven't seen a movie like this before. And it's definitely interesting, but the 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 crazy kind of nineteen eighties disjointed scenarios and things and acting just it's just a little too much for my personal taste and but i like i think the only thing i actually really liked was the dynamic between the sergeant and mr lawrence which i think are the only two characters that really have a lot of uh depth and chemistry maybe a little bit of um but i actually didn't get i I actually feel like um uh I am so scatterbrained tonight. Who's the fucking main guy? What's his name? David what's, Bowie. What's the... Thank you. No, Fuck. he's not the main guy. He's not. I I no, but like attention. Major I Keynes. mean, like that's yeah. Like like I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like David Bowie, even though he's he's more the predominant like actor of that thing. It's like I don't I don't really gravitate towards. That. I find the chemistry between the sergeant and Mr. Lawrence a whole lot more compelling and interesting. So that all in all, though, to keep it short. It's just a 1980s film, and it was a slog of two hours. So that's that's my opening thing on that. Um, Brian, since you gave me that face. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the comments seeing this film do share the fact they're both art house movies. This is an art house Christmas film. And I watched it, and it ended, and I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> uh... You know, I really felt like there was a user manual that didn't make its way to me. Um, <laughs> That's a good way of putting and it. And <laughs> I actually, I it, it put me on a path of like, what the fuck did I just watch? And I did a ton of research on the film, and now I understand it. But a film shouldn't have to come with a forty-five page, not like manual. Like you know, it just there's again, we keep saying on this podcast that like you know, you're not always the audience for these films. And this film definitely was made for Japanese people because the guy that made this film, it's actually very interesting. Um, he was a part of this like group of directors in Japan that were like the new wave of directors. And this like revolution happened in 1958 where like basically the Japanese film industry was very like regimented. And overnight they basically turned all these uh, director apprentices into full directors. So like all these young kids all of a sudden could make movies and they changed the whole narrative of Japanese cinema. So this guy was known for making films that just uh, attacked Japanese culture. And the film he's most famous for is what he made before this 1976. is about this couple in 1930s Japan that's so in love and hates Japanese or the um, culture so much is that they fuck to death and they strangle themselves while they're fucking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what the absolute... Sorry. <laughs> that caught me so off guard. So his he, he was trying to find something to question Japanese culture and tradition in ways, but through a different lens. And this is how he's able to do it through, you know, a POW camp in the second world war. So it's really a, you know, attack on his own culture and why things are like this. Like there's a bunch of lines in the movie like that, uh, where it's like, well, a crime has been committed and someone has to be punished. It doesn't matter who is punished, but so that's the way it is. And that's a very you know Japanese thing. So understanding that I'm like, Okay, you know, it makes sense. And we'll get more into that later on. But just to sum it up, like, I really felt like this was a very long 
three minute 1980s music video. Like, <laughs> you know, literally like I, I thought of, I was trying to think of it. It reminded me of a new order song called, uh, what do you call it? Bizarre love, not bizarre love triangle, but it's one of the, I gotta look it up, but there's literally like when they have the kiss, you know, and it's like that slow, like shot. I literally was taken to like a new order, 1980s music video. I'm like, what's going on <laughs> with that? Like, like jumpy f- uh, frame rate and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's bizarre. I love triangle, but they're slapping in this in the music video, and the camera's going back and forth, and it's literally like, ugh, like I don't know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, David Bowie's really good. I, I have to say that, and he was in a bunch of other roles, like you said. And um, when he has, has his mean face at certain points in it, I was like, wow, he he does have a side to him where he could, you know, actually like look good on camera. Um, the other guy, this the Lieutenant Yoni, or Yunai. Um, he who's actually another musician. He's very famous. He was in a Japanese group called the uh, Magic Yellow Orchestra, which don't play into that because they're Japanese guys. But anyway, it's very fascinating electric <laughs> band in the seventies. You made that connection. That we don't I didn't even that. think of that, but that's <laughs> yeah. that's great. But it's funnily enough, I now love the band and I've listened to all their seventies and eighties hits, and it's way better than the movie. So it did something good at the end. But it's it's a very strange film and. Uh, yeah, I don't want to have a user manual to fucking understand shit. So, just... I heard you on my wireless back in 52. <laughs> Dying awake in Tintin, tuning on on you. <laughs> Video killed the radio, sir. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. First song so, they played on MTV when it went live. Yep. Correct. Yep, and it was very true. So, okay, this film... I started, like, the first half of it. I was like, all right, we're good. And then you introduced David Bowie's character, um, Sellers or Sealers or something. Yeah, whatever. We'll just call him S from here on out. Um, So S. um, I'm like, okay, this is okay. Like, Japanese prisoner war camp. Uh, this is very early. This is 42. So it's like, yeah, these guys, it's either you're going to be completely fucked or you get Japanese guys that are abiding by a code, which these guys are, right? And, okay, so, all of a sudden, he gets, his character gets introduced, you know, S, and it's like, oh, this big thing of, Oh, this guy. But there's nothing that comes of it. His character. Nothing. He's just sitting there laying down. Oh, he doesn't ever do anything. And then again, he like, he like ends up in the, the lime, like the, the whole thing buried up to his fucking neck. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, okay, we get it. Like it's a prison camp. We get it. There's things that go down. Yeah, it's not good for anyone there. And this guy gets thrown into the mix of like, oh, he's going to be the guy that stirs everything up. Nothing changes. What the fuck is the point? It's like, oh, David Bowie. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in here doing this stuff. He's going to like change the film. No, he doesn't. That character was literally null and void the whole fucking time. And so for the first half, it was like, okay, yeah, the prison camp, right? We see that. And then we get like the, the, the court, 
I did like the um the like the 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 court like the um proceedings, right? That would go through them and all that stuff. But it was like after the the halfway point, it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? Like, okay, yeah, uh, these guys are gonna die or these guys will be alive. It's stupid. Um, yeah, so that's like I'm being I'm also like Nate, I, I'm on board with you. Like, I'm very scatterbrained and like I cannot <laughs> I cannot like <laughs> fucking I cannot formulate. like formulate a one subject to drive this point forward. But like Is it because David Bowie kissed you and you just freaked out and flew back? <laughs> So mad he collapsed. What the fuck? I remember I, the, I it was the last day of filming at Reveille, and Michael just walked up to Mike, brushed off his sleeve, yeah. and then kissed. And him. just it just kissed, yeah, it just, kissed me on the cheeks, cheek, yeah, cheek. Yeah, and then, and then I was done. Went, it's you would, it's yeah. like it's it's like those old nineteen fifties commercials where like something touches and they go ah. <laughs> well, well, that was in this film too. Like it, it's fucking stupid. So. So, yeah, all right, I'm kind of sort of back here. Um, but, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, from the halfway point on, what are we doing? Like, Jesus Christ. It was it was not, like, honestly, the first part, this is not, like, you know, giving anything away or anything. Like, I was intrigued, and I was like, okay, cool. Oh, wow, yep that kind of shit, whatever. And then when David Bowie's character gets introduced, I'm like, all right. And then nothing. So what the fuck was it about? And then I'll launch that into our discussion about the film in general. I I think this is where Brian's owner's manual comes into play here. Page one. Why? Um, (laughs) No, it's yes. The name of the chapter. (laughs) So, (laughs) <laughs> you know getting into it there's so much symbolism in this movie like for example when david bowie you know is in his sand pit and they cut the lock of hair off of him that's just a very japanese thing nice wig yep. by the way you can't you can't cut david bowie's hair you have to put a wig on him oh he's not gonna allow that shit no. <laughs> yeah 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 which it's a very japanese thing like cutting locks of hair off and stuff um to be preserved for in the future or whatever but um he has the butterfly on his fucking face in like the clear blue light. Butterflies are a symbol for the soul in Japanese culture. So we should get crazy town in here. Is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that scene, if you know what it means, says that he's dead, you know, but how the fuck yeah. am I supposed to know this, this bug on his, his face is like, that's again, it's, it's like a movie that's attacking their own culture for Japanese people. Right. And right. It's, and again, he needed a lens to show it. And the thing is, it's, it's like, it's so – what's the right term here? It's so of an abstract idea of what this film's trying to do that if you just come into this movie as, it's a World War II movie for face value, what the fuck is going on? You know, it's like <laughs> all the symbolism is so tied together and, like, you literally have to know it. And it's well, like, I don't even think it's, it's – if it's a – you know, going into it with a World War II thing, it's like, again, anybody would watch this going, what the fuck is going on? Like – yeah, well, wa- watching it without like any of my level. yeah yeah watching it surface level. This is what I get. Japanese POW camps made everyone gay, um, and and <laughs> yeah, then talk about that. if you're lucky, no, 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 if no, you're really he, lucky, he's onto something. Yes. If you're really lucky, 
your guard that has been you have to respect somehow because the culture's fucked up. Like breaks in and gets, fucks you. Gets in drunk. The ass. Well, not yep. that, but like decides to get drunk on a whim and save you. And it's like, like if you look at it just for what happens, like connecting the dots, it's like these guys got out of this horrible situation somehow, and now the camp guards don't know why they're being put to death. Like you fucking <laughs> murdered David Bowie. Like you, you did all these things. Like I have not seen a Christmas movie with this much suicide in it ever. Yeah. Like, so, but just looking at it like that, it's like POW camps, and then you have a bad time. It, it's like what's going on? But with all the symbolism and stuff like that was put into it, and when you realize that the American or sorry, the English characters are being used to question the motives of Japanese culture. Right. Okay. There you go. Yeah. They're plot devices, and they're really good plot devices because they're famous. You know, but it's for, fucking retarded. You know, except for Lawrence, I saw. I watched a really funny review. Like everybody knows Major Lawrence from when he was uh, the stepfather in uh, Make Big Fat Greek Wedding Three. <laughs> and they go to a clip, and that's his, that's his next credit. It's Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence, and he's like, a, he's a gray man walking in someone in the back of Mike. Ach du Scheiße. Like, he's, also, he's also Einstein in Oppenheimer. What? The old guy? No. That's how I recognized him. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. Mr. Lawrence is Einstein no. from Oppenheimer. A hundred percent. That's that how up. I knew. I recognized him the moment he came on screen. Went, oh, that's Einstein that from Oppenheimer. This whole pod is fucked. Holy fuck. You're right. This is, this <laughs> yeah. is, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred percent him. Yeah. I, I saw it right away. Yeah. Merry Christmas, uh, Mr. Lawrence. Derailed. Ruben Ruben and Oppenheimer. That's, that's a career. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also blow your minds here. Let's go. This is for Nona Cat. No, thing. no, we're not going to blow minds. No, 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 no. This is important. I don't want to. Are you a Japanese POW guard? Don't blow me. This is important. <laughs> this is important. Uh, the sergeant is, for those a comedian? who know this, well, yes, but he's also um, Takashi's castle. Which is the oh my spike God. show MXC. MXC. Yeah. Wait, MXC. Do you know MXC, Michael? Of course I know MXC. I love I MXC. I love MXC. That, that is him. Oh, my God. Holy yeah. shit. It's the same guy. That is yeah. him. Because he, he has an acting career before, obviously, before Takashi's Castle and then Takashi's Castle. And then he's in Ghost in the Shell and so all that So he's the guy hitting now. Kenny Blankenship in the head all the time, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I fucking that was love that MXC. Gila Douche. Yeah, Gila Douche. Douche. Yeah. Kenny Blankenship and Vic Romano. Yeah. Well, let's go. <laughs> For those of you that have never heard of MXC, it's Mike amazing. clearly hasn't. <laughs> have you, Correct. Have you seen a... MXC? Oh, come on, dude. All right, I got some clips. Dude, the to Japanese send. fucking retribution from Hiroshima and Nagasaki has not affected me as much as it has you fuckers. <laughs> well, so my grandfather would never buy a Jap car, okay? Yeah. It's more there's more to it than that. H- hold on, hold on. I hold on. Before you cast judgment, I will send you a clip. It's not what you yeah, think. It's the, what, some of the funniest television you'll ever it's see. It's not what I think. It, no, it's, it's not what you think. I promise you it's not it's what you think. It's very unique, yeah. Take a night. 19- yeah. Have you seen the making of? There's a great like one of the DVDs that like yeah, where they just it. stand in the room and, and do commentary. <laughs> well, the, no, Dude, I have not like, seen the making of this shit that I don't know about. It, it's <laughs> of like, course not. We're having a it's moment just right now. as good or better than Trailer Park Boys, in my opinion. It's MXC. Oh, so good. It's oh. so good, Mike. I, so I, good. It's 
Yeah. <laughs> it's an old, I'll just say this. It's an old, it, this happened in the mid 2000s. These guys on Spike TV made a show and they did what you think, you think it was what it is, but it's not. It's a show on it that was made in the 1980s game show, Japanese game show. And then in the early 2000s, these guys dubbed it all and re-put it back on live TV. And it's like, it's so funny. It's like, it's like the early form of like the Comedy Central era of the early 2000s kind it's of stuff that was on Spike TV. Anyway. <laughs> it's like what well, you watched up. before Girls Gone Wild came on, like 930. Yeah. There was one time, this was like, this was during film school. We had. Uh, we were all just doing a hanging out late at night. We were like, remember MXC? And every one of us was just like, oh my God, I haven't thought about that years. We watched like six hours of it after that. <laughs> yeah, you can watch a lot of them yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike's going to implode. He's going to be like, why did I watch this movie? If you guys are we need at least uh, an hour of MXC chilly next time I hang out. It's so fucking good. Because nothing makes Mike want to watch it more than peer pressuring him into something that everyone likes because that's what Mike is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> that's mike to a t yes yeah oh, yeah no, no not definitely not laughing back into it then that means that if we're all in the pow camp becoming gay then mike's not gonna get pressure from becoming gay right so you cannot fuck other men unless i authorize it mike be the cooler king okay you know that's it that i mean that that's the way it goes <laughs> anyway Happy Kerry Christmas. Oh, good luck editing this fucking bitch. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, it's like I I remember watching the Polar Express and when Tom Hanks' character commits seppuku because the train goes off the rails. I mean, it's uh it really adds to the narrative of the film. Yeah. Oh my god. Did the waiter walks the hot chocolate guy walks over with the samurai sword, you know, you let it get cold. Fuck you. Like, he fucks so it up. That's why to actually get us back on subject on this fucking movie. I did think it was very interesting to showcase a botched Harry Carey. I was gonna like, 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 what's the face for? How do you pronounce it? Isn't it Harry Carey or something like that? Harry Carey, yeah, it's like that. That's the act in itself. Seppuku is like the method of you commit seppuku, but. Harry carries the act of dude. Oh, yeah, Harry okay. carry is like the fucking whole thing, like the ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. They chop mm-hmm. their head off. Yeah. Remember when Sean did that at combat camera? You know, they just take the <laughs> Sean, and, yeah. bless his heart, bless his heart, yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, bless his heart. Uh, he really went all out. He really, he really went all out for that, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. But no, so yeah, the botched one. Oh my god. Okay, imagine this. Like seriously, like this is gonna get graphic for those who are listening. You have <laughs> a it's not graphic really, already. You really <laughs> yeah. well, Nate's his little. It's gonna be a chore. It's gonna it's gonna be a chore. It'll be all right. But no, so seriously, like so, uh, seppuku is you go into the left side of your abdomen and then you pull over to the right. Okay. While you're alive, my God. Yeah. Holy fuck. Everything's going to be like, oh my God, it's just going to, not only the pain, but it's like just everything in your body is going to be like, no, don't do this. Don't do this. And well, I think it's it's in, over, and up. It's supposed to cut up into your diaphragm, and that's when they cut your head yeah, off. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, it's in, over, and then. you got to turn the then, knife. That's yeah, the it's, like, it's like just making it a mortal wound. And then. Um, I think you're supposed to go to an angle, too. 
most goes, of the time, most of the time you've got guys like they did show in this film um, with a katana ready for when like something doesn't go right or like you can't do it. And they just go and you're decapitated. Done. Done ski. Wasn't it The Last Samurai that had a really good depiction of it? A very brief. But yeah, yeah, but I think a it very, was... It was very brief, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. at the ends of Letters from Iwo Jima, there's, I think, Kobayashi tries to do it as well. Mm. Yeah, They depict it at the end yeah. of Hacksaw Ridge, I remember. Okay, I don't... Uh, but it was very... But, the, but Hacks, oh, that it was, was it such was a... Bad. I can't remember. Yeah, it was stupid. A, a, a bad, I, horrible, yeah. I just remember today, I'm like... I, I remember it being done respectfully in... Um, the last samurai or for that i think it was the first attack like, i it didn't go well i think guy. well yeah no it, it's well no it's the uh it's the general it's the general who's uh helping tom cruise in the beginning yeah 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 yep. it's when the cavalry sergeant to, dies does anyone know the rating for last samurai i'm trying to find it i can't seem to find it, Ours? it wasn't it pg-13 or oh, i don't know i think it was pg-13 that would explain I, why it's so brief anyway. i don't remember that being too violent so i think it was well, at the end it was it was pretty Oh, no, it was R. That ghost face. Yeah, it, 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 at the end, it was there was a lot of violence, like I- intricate violence. Yeah, There was not sex and nudity. <laughs> intricate violence. That's a well, great it was, But it was intricate violence. No, I, okay, I, I know, Brian. but just, yeah, I would have okay, put that yeah. on a t-shirt. <laughs> intricate <laughs> violence. 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 <laughs> but it was. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can make that into a shirt. <laughs> we will. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, intricate violence in. Uh, okay, so seppuku. Um, yeah, not a great way to go. And like uh, a lot of memoirs and shit, like you've probably read, a lot of times would start it and then just not be able to follow through, and it became like a fucking. Oh shit! This guy's bleeding out. Like there's nothing you can do. You know, shit, that's why, you know, in this film, they've got the guy with the katana. Okay, if it's not going well, done. Done ski. You know, and that was the more honorable way to do things. And the Japanese at this point are, they've got it instilled in them, most of them. You know? And it's like, that's a tough fucking enemy. Like, if they're willing to, okay, well... I either kill myself this way or my family will have dishonor. Well, I'm going to do this. Yeah, it, it's insane. Even, you know, on that motive, a lot of soldiers, like the very famous one is that guy in the Philippines that surrendered in the late 70s. Or it's 74, yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. o- o- Oneida, or they just made a good movie that we'll get to. Yeah, he's a lieutenant, yeah. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, you know, they didn't want to bring honor dishonor to the families, and the guys that didn't want to commit suicide, they just would live on the islands because that was better for their family to assume that they died and they would just eventually go themselves in their own honorable way for what they saw as serving out whatever. There's stories into the late 80s in, uh, what was it, uh, Vela Lavella, which is the island in the middle of the Solomons. It's very close to where JFK had his ship cut up. Um, of people losing their clothes on clotheslines from Japanese soldiers stealing it. Like, there's a, even stories later than Oneida of existing. And it was these guys that were just like, well, I have no honor. I don't want to bring honor, dishonor to my family, so I will just die in the woods. And there's one scene in the film that catches that because it's like, you know, we'd rather surrender and fight you another day. And, and that's the thing is, is too, is um, also the way they died 
were how the benefits would be paid to the family. Right? And so this film actually, that's why I said the first half, I actually really enjoyed. I really did. Because um, it, it mentioned all that shit. Like, okay, this guy's a piece of shit. He fucked up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But we want to make his death, quote unquote, accidental on paper. So his family will continue to get paid, even though he's a piece of shit. Right? The guy that raped the guy. Um, okay. And then that was, you know, contested, whatever. But, like, the fact that they thought about that and they actually showed that in this film is a very interesting and very cool part that I really enjoyed um, that they did mention. Because, yes, the Japanese... Here's the thing is, like, a lot of the, like, Western people, like the Americans and the Brits and all that stuff who fought the Japanese, these guys are just savages. And just like, whatever, they're just fucking whatever. There's a lot more layers to break apart to figure out and understand what the Japanese soldier in person at that time was thinking. Now they had a government, albeit shaky, whatever for our definition now, but, but they still did. So their government also paid out for their soldiers to their families. If they were to be killed in combat or accidental, whatever, all that stuff, there was still that 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 kind of um, scale, that pay scale in this, you know, barbaric, whatever, government system that was there. And that's why I really liked the fact that they showed that in this film. Like, okay, this guy could be labeled as what he was, a criminal, and his family gets nothing. But these guys knew him, and they're like, yeah, he's going to die anyway. But, his family doesn't deserve that, so we'll just label it as this. That was really cool. It was very interesting to see that. And on top of that, that one line, you know, it's very period culture aspects. There was one line I liked, but it was too early because it was 42. It would be perfect if it was 44. But one of the guys says, like, oh, well, you know, this family could use the money because they're starving at home anyway. And it's like, that is so correct for once the Japanese merchant fleet is destroyed in two years. But, but you don't for, you don't think that's correct for forty two? For spring of forty two, way too early. It's way too early into victory disease. You're talking about midway. You're talking about. But they're also out. they're also they've been fighting in China and they're also not doing well in forty two. But the Japanese economy was doing well. You know this is this is around the Two Little Raid. I mean, yeah, people yeah, weren't yeah. really affected because the thing is is that as the losses in the Solomon start to occur, the Japanese have to pull more of their troops. Their sorry, their merchant navy to support their army. So thus, the economic situation starts to decline as the Solomon campaign ratches up because you have less commerce. For example, they had to take so many troop ships away. Sorry, they take so many liners away from supplying the economy that 12% of the steel imports um, for what what I'm saying. Steel imports dropped 12% over three months in 1942. And they kept getting Mm -hmm. worse and worse because they have to use their shipping because it's an island nation for troops instead of their economy. So that was the sliding scale. As they geared up for war their economy went down. So it was this inverse effect. So 42 spring or, or even fall is too early to have families that are starving in Japan. It really wasn't until the fall of 43 yeah, and the I later get, on I we got back. Yep. But a cultural statement for them to say that is really cool. Well, I was just going to say that out of everything in the movie, this stuff right here, what we're talking about right now, right now, 
is the stuff that I did find the most interesting, you know, it was when we're talking, it was about, very cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this is stuff that you never see with war films. <clears throat> it's like Japanese home front type stuff being mentioned. Um, letters from Iwo Jima is the only other one I can think of that I've seen it. Um, and yeah, that's uh, very surface level. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. But, um, the way I can think of, you know, in terms of like motives and such like that with the Japanese. And it's really cool to think about, to, to hear that and such. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff was, was interesting. I wish it was more about that, you know, honestly. Yeah, ex- <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Brian? There's one we'll get to that's really good and really crazy. It's a Japanese film from the late 50s, early 60s called Fires on the Plane. And it's about mm-hmm. Japanese troops who are in the Battle of Leyte in 1944. <laughs> yeah. Fucked up. The movie starts with this guy wandering, and he goes, I have tuberculosis, and my, all my men gave me their food to go to the hospital. But the hospital rejected me because they had no medicine. And he's walking back to his men. They have no food because they wanted him to live. It's so fucked up. Oh, yeah, okay. Like, so speaking of that, so one cool thing that I saw and like heard in this film is, you know, a rat, their bitch, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it was Lawrence or one of the other, um, it was the... Uh, Guy with the million stripes, I couldn't even tell the rank on his fucking. You know, Are you talking guy? about like the 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 the, the colonel or no? The, I think it was, he was like a ma- no no it, no it was no no no. He, he's talking about the, the Air Corps guy. guy. The cap, the, the, yeah, because there was a New Zealand Air Corps or Australia. Because the guys with the black things on there. Yeah, but how many fucking stripes? It's, dude, like, it's fuck. <laughs> listen, Australia. I didn't know his rank. Nobody Australian you know and his New rank? Zealand navies. Like when you get into yeah. like the. Adju- not adjutants, like what subalterns or whatever. There's some really fucked up things. But Brian, but generally do you know, the black do you know is, his rank? Uh, it could be a CMO Nate, or something. Do you know crazy his rank? Like that. I think it was a captain. Uh, Mike, do yeah. you know his rank? No, no. Okay, <laughs> nobody here that has watched that knows his fucking rank. He's above a lieutenant colonel, but nobody knows. And I think, either intentional or not, it was supposed to be that way, because like. I, I've never seen that many fucking stripes. I don't know how to he qualify could, the rank. He could even be a, well, it wouldn't work for Java, but you know, they had protectorates in the Solomons and other places, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, and they would yeah. have local constabulary leaders that were in charge of certain areas. Like there was, a yeah, but this guy was, now. he was air force, but, but what I'm saying is they had uniforms and they were commissioned into the military and they were given crazy ranks. Cause like you're on the island of Gavutu and yeah, but this, this guy's, one this guy. guy's British. This guy's, Oh, I, I know, he's, but he's proper, there was but like, in this part of the war, there was just a lot of crazy civilian right. organizations. And the, the, that were the also thing military. is like in the film, so. we don't know his rank. Yep. Well, nobody, nobody here knows his rank and that's fine. But, um, it, it's like, it's very interesting to like, he's got all these stripes on his fucking epaulets, right? Nobody knows his fucking rank. So the other thing that's interesting too, is that the book, sorry, the movie is based off of a book called the seed yes. and the sower. Yes. Which yeah. is a great name by the way. And they actually mention it in the film mm-hmm. when they're like the seed that he planted in, which I personally think is a great name and term. Cause it's so true. You know, yes. every interaction with somebody like this, you're always going to imprint some of yourself on them or vice versa. But, um, you know, he was a Dutch guy in java in the dutch military and he this is his experience in java you know in a dutch pow camp and they, obviously mm-hmm. they changed it around to make it make sense um but maybe he could have been dutch in the original book i don't know you know because yeah. even the dutch guy they have that bites his tongue off like he's got crazy fucking rank as well if you notice it mm-hmm. so in a way this movie and what's that fucking 
the East, movie are connected. <laughs> G, his rank was GP Captain. At least that's what it says here in Wikipedia. It says Captain, maybe. I don't, it's a spokesman GP Captain Hicksley. Hmm. So I don't know if GP Captain is an actual separate general rank or purpose not. captain. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> captain general purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's that's the only thing I, I found on that. Uh, um, no, it it trying to trying to like I guess dive into more of I guess the latter half of just the randomness of some things. Like I I understand your 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 comment, Brian, about like a user manual on the film and trying to understand like X, Y, and Z into things. Like I I totally understand, but at the same time, it just felt so. Some of the I understand why they would they put certain aspects into the film and certain styles into it. It's not really the the style that I had a problem with, like like you know blue filters and all that kind of stuff. Like that's very nineteen eighties. <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just I I I didn't I wasn't following along with some of the disconnect on. I, I think what really I think what really really pushed it for me was that. I have this whole backstory to David Bowie's character that I don't think I really he needed. Need, yeah, that whole and I it was and, a and waste I, of fucking time. Yeah. It was like another like twenty minutes that I think like like I understand why they did it because he's sacrificing himself for the rest of the group because he didn't do he that relevant? to his brother. How right. is he relevant though? Like what what purpose? Well, you know what I mean. Like uh, besides the uh, yeah, really quick. Besides the like implied, oh, he's so important. What did he actually fucking do to deserve that sort of like, oh god, he's a hero treatment? You know what I mean? So go ahead. He put his lips on another man. That's what he did. Um, yeah. Well, the movie is <laughs> the movie's trying to do like this cool hand Luke thing with him. Um, that just I don't know if any of you guys have seen that movie. Um, I have. I, I, what do you? What do you? Uh, how, how is that? Because it's like he's supposed to be kind of like the sacrificial hero that everyone looks up to. That you know he's he's doing things for the bulk of everyone else. You know he's he's like this kind of sacrificial. Yeah, but in Cool Hand Luke, in Cool Hand Luke, like there was a story. Like you knew this guy, and he had development. Oh yeah, he wasn't just thrown in. There. Oh yeah, it's a bad version of that. That's what I'm saying. Like it's they're yeah. trying to do the same kind of thing, and it doesn't work. It's, it's yeah, okay. forced. Yeah. That's my point. Uh, I'll, I'll just say one. I'll just say one thing quickly, and then I'll hand off the brown. I yeah. feel like if Mr. Lawrence had done David Bowie's character thing, then I think it'd be relevant Correct. to the actual story. Yeah, but the fact that it's a whole another character mm-hmm. and not Mr. Lawrence is what makes it feel like nothing, so disjointed for the rest there was of the film. To build the character. Yep. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian. Culture. <laughs> it comes back to culture, in at least at the time. And I, you could even say to today, Japanese culture, especially, you know, at the time was individualism was beaten out of you. And it was all about serving the, the people, collective, serving yep. the masses, the collective, yep. the, the individual doesn't matter, but the collective matters, you know, which is completely the inverse idea of the West. So in a way, you know, David Bowie losing his or we'll say Major Tom or what the fuck we said earlier, losing his, <laughs> you know, individualism is a way of of him showing he's transcending his culture, you know? Because, like, the three main things of this movie are love, death, and desire. You know, like, who do we love? We're all going to die and desire. And some points, 
in those three, you know, themes, we have a decision to make and we, you know, within our culture and everything else. But I so just think how, that how is this character ever given a chance to even come close to arcing? Who Bowie? Yeah. By. It didn't. Well, no, by giving himself up for some stupid reason. Well, for what? Like, so what importance did he have besides the fact that the Japs thought that he was, oh, some kind of like boogeyman or some shit like that. Besides that, like the, the, the implied, um, ideals and like the characteristics, I guess, what did he actually serve? He got food one time, but it's all implied. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like his character. I think, I think he got fucked in this role. Let's just say that because I don't think his character was allowed to evolve into anything. It was just this thing that he was there, but there was nothing to it. Unless he's I a, missed something hardcore. He's a plot device, just like Sergeant or uh, the Cooler King is in uh, The Great Escape. All Steve McQueen does is show yeah, up. Yeah, but he actually went out and did stuff. shit. Oh, in the, but yeah, it, but in the same vein, though, you know what I mean. And remember, right. we have to bring this back to the culture. Japanese culture is very subtle, it's, sure. especially their filmmaking, and especially at this time. Things happen slowly. Fast things happen slow where we are. So, so what is the purpose? What is the purpose of David Bowie? What is what is the purpose of his character? The plot device. Plot device. To, how? To, how to would show, the movie, okay. he to poke so, fun at Japanese culture whenever they can? Can, can and I? Lawrence can I just, is just the translator. Really, really who's quick, Also, Nate, the main. I just character. want to ask Brian a question, and it's totally legit. If Bowie's character was not in this film, would it have been any different? Yes, because it wouldn't work. Because Sergeant or Yoni and Lieutenant Yoni and Major Tom Bowie are the same character but different, and Hera and Lawrence are just witnesses to what's happening. The guy that wrote the book, Seed and the Sower, wrote it in the third person, and he wrote it about himself. Lawrence is the main character from the original film, and the uh, sorry, the original book. And the way this is made, Lawrence is kind of the main character, but he's telling it in the third person through Major Tom. So. I know this is convoluted, but you have two pairs here. You have Hera and Lawrence. Then you have Bowie and Yoni, Yonai. And without Yo- without Bowie, then Yonai doesn't work. Without Yonai, Bowie doesn't work. So that's that's the thing. There's these two people that are in a bad situation that are surviving. You know, Yoni and Hera, or sorry, uh, Lawrence and Hera. And then you have both sides protagonists or antagonists that you can explore and move the plot forward with. Because at the end of the day, it starts with Lawrence and Hera. And it ends with Lawrence and Hera. But in the inverse relationship of captor, captee, but it's changed. The only thing that's different is that Yonai and Bowie both show up along the way and influence the course of events by having this amazing sexual tension. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little strange, but okay. <laughs> there was this great comment I saw on YouTube, this randomly, uh, break the tension. It was like, yeah, I'd also do that if David Bowie kissed me as well. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking like class. So with, 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 without those two characters, the film would still be pretty much the same. No, it would just be a POW camp drama. You wouldn't have any of this culture clash because it's just people in a bad situation. Before, before Bowie shows up, it's just a POW camp with stuff yep. happening. And then Bowie shows up and he throws this whole rigmarole into the thing because whatever reason... He's stronger than the other ones. He's different. You know, 
one Japanese pop star wants to fuck the other pop star. I don't know. It's the, you know, on top of everything as well, we have to remember this is 1983. What's happening in the world? Sure. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. other narratives and things that are occurring. Regonomics. Well, yeah. Well, well, the scene where you and I is running a black market where he's selling all the red cross parcels in the back. You know, that was left out. But that was the real Reaganomics. You know, <laughs> trickle down. I guess, I guess what I'm asking, Brian, is like, take those two characters out. And I think the film would have still been the film. Well, the film just would have been a PUW drama, you know? Which it was. Yes, and it was, but they, those two characters throw the, I, I know what you mean. Just, yes, it would yeah, have been yeah, like yeah. a version of Stalag 17, something like that, you know? It, it still was, even with those characters, because the, the, the arc for those two characters was completely reliant on those two. And the rest of the, um, I guess the set, the um, everything, the plot, went on regardless. So that's my question: is like, if those two characters were out of this movie, would it have been relatively the same? And in my opinion, yes. And you say no. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's a hard question anyway because it's like a what if question. What if they attacked on the fifth instead of the sixth? No, no, no. I guess it's not. That's not what I'm getting at. It's like no, I, I I didn't think either of those two characters put enough into the film and into the plot and the story to make a difference. Like that. That's just the thing. Like it's my opinion. Like because okay, so David Bowie's character, right, Sarge or Major S, really didn't do anything. So he 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 scared a couple of the guys. To maybe be superstitious, whatever. Maybe. But then, like, that's it. It wasn't like this. I expected I expected him to be doing more. To, like, kind of um, be, like, superfluous. Like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking out. I'm getting these supplies. He got the food, yeah. But, like, that's it. And so he was just kind of thrown in there as another dude that didn't really make a difference. I can't. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I can't really. I, I wasn't paying too much attention to, uh, to on the whole thing to, to comment on this. <laughs> That's why I've been. It's just like I don't really quite remember that much. I was just I, at, at the, after after the halfway point, I was just kind of like, "All right, is this over yet?" You know, right? Exactly. By, yeah. by the way, I'm not. I'm only going to be nitpicky for this one region. It's Major C, not Major S, Mike. It's Major Tom. Yeah. In, in the sub in the subtitles, it was S. Oh, because in my subtitles, it was uh, C-E-L-L-I-E-R-S. Okay, so <laughs> major Just call fucking... him David Bowie. <laughs> Just... Yeah. And making David Bowie a major is not based off that song at all. And making the main character Lawrence, it's not based off the fact that, you know, Lawrence of Arabia is a great movie. <laughs> it actually is, so, yeah. Very amazing. slow, but, like, yeah, it's it's very fucking good. I, I just, like, again, just... Not to dive so far into it, it's just I I am I I liked I, I could see what this movie was trying to do. I could see why casting chose um David Bowie in a certain sense because Well explain it then. Brian had chimed on earlier. Like he 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 does play like the 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 guy who's a little psychotic the and a little card. wacky and the wild card Who doesn't do shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> the wild card well, doesn't, doesn't help. Do shit. It doesn't help that his eyes. You know the whole story plot line, and not whether he does shit or not, but like the story plot line for 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 Bowie is to be like I think like you know to to mix it up and to you know be the the wrenches you guys were saying. A part of it, I was keeping up with most of what you guys were saying, and I think um I think it, apart from that, you know I think you do see some kind of character development where you know he is very much on himself and at the end he's going i think what brian is saying in, in the sense of you know individualism to to being part you know sacrificing himself for the greater good for the for the it's it's better for him to go out with for these guys because he saves the captain and the rest of the guys coming out of the hospital that's why they hang on that on that thing but um but i i, I think that's where the 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 development is i think it's very subtle and i don't think it's good enough but i think there is a development in there and, and a thing well it's uh because I, I, I looked up a little bit about this um uh, apparently the reason why david bowie is in the movie is because the director was impressed with his performance in the elephant man play uh oh there we go yeah so yep. uh he, he i guess david bowie was in the broadway production of the elephant man where he played john merrick so um whose actual name was joseph merrick but anyway um the uh i guess that's why he's in the movie i don't i um dude yeah. so yeah i'm glad you brought that up because it seems to me i i again i'm not taking away from anything david bowie like did performance wise okay actor good at what he does i think he was thrown into this film because and his character doesn't do anything so it's yeah, it's it's the character for you that just that that puts a throws a wrench in the in the thing. What does he do? Like honestly, like I, I'm asking a question. Like what does he do besides getting the flowers and yeah. the food the one time? I'd have to watch. What the, does he do? I'd have to watch the movie again, honestly, to give you a straight answer because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> well, there you yeah, go. I can't I can't give you a definitive answer right now because I was mostly focused on the Japanese stuff and. Um, yeah, <laughs> but so Nate and Nate and Brian, what did David Bowie's character do? Plot. If you're talking about like, he what, was the cultural plot device. Yeah. No, but yeah, like, what, what did that. he actually do to like push the plot forward? You're, you're talking like physically, like as a character, push the plot. He forward. stopped the, the the cultural aspect of the Japanese were starving them because they thought that there was a lack of morale in their way. That's the food thing. Again. He just came in at points to push the plot along where the culture got in the way. Because beforehand, it's the POW camp with everything happening, and then David Bowie shows up, and that's when the relationship happens. But that's it, though. Like, that that's it. Well, there's nothing, there's no tension besides the fact that they're in a POW camp without Bowie and you and I. I mean, there's sexual tension, but yes. So, so Nate, like, like what... I the same thing with Brian. I I say the same thing that yeah. Brian said. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a cultural. I've point. seen a lot mm-hmm. of things about the kiss and stuff, and they're like, you know, that's the point where the cultures transcend because mm-hmm. Bowie uses his culture to disarm, um, you know, Yonai, and Yonai uses the Western culture of not reacting against his lover. So in that scene, whatever you want to say about it, they accept each other for who they are. Yeah. They, like that's humanity happening as fu- as fucked up as that is. But how but like, how, do, how does that affect the outcome of any other character in this film? Well, there's events happening in a POW camp, and to bring it back to the original narrative, it's a guy reminiscing about what he saw around him, right? Know, and, and happening, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's just and it just again, you, Hera and Lawrence are the real people. 
everybody else is just people that happen to yeah, be happening and occurring. You know, I, I guess I guess that the thing that it was like, okay, if you're gonna make a character like you know, you got somebody like David Bowie, right? Why would it not be more important and relevant to the plot of the film? Or are you just for the sake of putting this actor, this person in here? That's that's kind of like my point. There, is like, yeah, there yeah. might have been ahead, there might have been some of that. Um, I saw it. I just saw it as more of like a you know the um, the defiant, like I say, cool hand Luke kind of character that everyone yeah. looks up to. You know, yeah. I just saw it as that. I, and at the you know, sac- rebel rebel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Great connection. No boss. Nope. No, I'm right, boss. You know, at the very end, he heroically sacrifices himself so that other guy doesn't get killed. You know, by kissing this dude. Um, so I, uh, that's just what I saw him as. He's like you know the uh, the the heroic. Um, guy that people love because he's he's you know defiant kind of I mean, thing. why wouldn't you kiss him he had more eyeliner than most goth kids in the early 2000s <laughs> <laughs> well did you see the fucking eyeliner on uh you and i in the beginning <laughs> that's what i, I mean yeah that's what yeah. i mean yeah. he looked like he had foundation on too dude like not just he did yeah. he, <laughs> a little blind. and while we're here i will say this i really did like the setting and the sets and the uniforms i mm-hmm. Besides yeah. crazy fucking early war rank, I have nothing bad to say. The Japs look great. The settings look great. And the tents look fucked up, but they, they built a fucking PW camp in the middle of a field. I mean, what are you going to say about that? With a but, greenhouse. I, I thought it was pretty cool that uh, when uh, uh, Tagashi smashed the whole entire like, greenhouse pane, he cut himself. Yeah. You can see he's cut after that yeah. take because he smashed the glass so hard. Um, I, I really liked... I really liked. I I wasn't a fan of um of the of the 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 captain Japanese captain. I wasn't a big fan of his performance, but I loved Tagashi's performance and that whole thing. I thought that was had more. Maybe maybe it's the English. Maybe it's the for the most of the film that he spoke only in Japanese. So I wasn't like because but with the captain speaking English, it just felt really really hard for me to be like oh that's a guy but then also it kind of felt like it's a guy speaking a secondhand language so it's also that in, in my just... opinion it was done very well really okay uh for a japanese person to speak english very mm-hmm. difficult and, and mm-hmm. vice versa if say lollipop yeah, yeah. yeah. pop on yeah. how a japanese a native japanese speaker would uh speak english english and um <laughs> It's difficult. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. And and I, I'll just say this: like, I would prefer the 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 performance of someone who is not native speaking English mm-hmm. to do a role like this. Yes. So don't get me wrong; I'm not downplaying. It's just like like because then you compare it to uh, Unbroken, where that guy speaks fluent English. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like that. Well, that's what some I mean. of like, them I, did. I, yeah. No, some very, of them did. No, very few and far yeah. between. But yeah. Yeah, so the funny yeah. thing was that a lot back then a lot of times it depended on where you went to school. So That's, you know, yeah, half so of them learned the American English and, and the other half would learn like Australian or New Zealand or like Commonwealth English and move a better term. So you would get Japanese people with like a, you know, mate in A and like a very, you know, English English style, or you'd get the other adverse effect where like this guy was in Los Angeles for three years as a cab driver. <laughs> so it, it's funny, you know, even within the Japanese English speakers in the military, it varies. Like it does with any, you know, ESL kind of course. Well and, and so. at this point, um a lot of Japanese officers from good families would have been educated in the United States. 
and they would have still uh, had an accent, of course. But a lot of the um, officers, it was like kind of a cool thing. Like Brian said, like, oh, you go to New Zealand or you go to Australia or whatever for school, for college. And a lot of these, um, like if you read a lot of um, memoirs from U.S. soldiers or, 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 or Commonwealth soldiers in the South Pacific in World War II, a lot of the officers, Japanese officers, they would come up to them and they would speak English in a way that was understandable. It wasn't like really super high accented. It was like, no. Oh, yeah. So, you know, hey, we have, you know, 300 men here. You know, it's like you can understand it. It's like, shit, where'd you learn to speak English? Oh, I went to UCLA, you know, and all that stuff. And you're like, okay, shit. You know, and they were doing the football teams and everything like that. And at this point, it's really weird because a lot of Japanese officers would know English, but not all of them, of course. And I like that in this film, they showed and represented a caliber of Japanese officers who knew basic English, which again, is very hard. Again, if, 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 if any one of us four were to learn Japanese, we would have a terrible accent. It's very tough. It's a very... Oh, man. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Mako. Arigato. Yeah. And so, but it's very tough. And, um, but in this film, they had, they had Japanese officers and people speaking English the best they could. If, if you were lucky enough to be in a, you know, an allied person who spoke English and encounter somebody who was Japanese who could speak English, that's about as good as you're going to get. Or it's 2 a.m. in September 1942, Guadalcanal. You die, Malin! Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's the thing. is like, it, you know, I, I did like well, this film. eat shit! <laughs> yeah. And while we're at, too, the other big thing was the, they would beat the buttstock, their, their stocks, the rifles a lot, too, before they would do bonsais. Like, imagine a company of guys in the fucking jungle just, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, okay, we got another belt for that 30 cal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. I mean, like yeah, you're like, yeah. oh shit. Where's that case of hand grenades? Around here somewhere. Yeah, not here. It's on a boat out. Oh wait, the boats are all sinking. <laughs> oh, the TP's gone. Is my favorite uh, term from the canal. Where's the fucking navy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're at the bottom of the fucking ocean, yeah. my friend. And then later on, the slogan turned to "Where's the fucking army?" <laughs> so good. Well, they're gonna land there and be good. The 25th will land there. You'll be good. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah. Um, 164th no, Marines. That, that was pretty cool, though, like in this film. is they, they, they also weren't making a mockery of it because it's a Japanese film. They weren't like making a mockery of Japanese people trying to speak English. I, I did appreciate that. It's like because there's, there's a way to do it to make it a mockery. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that hot, you know, <laughs> you know, all this shit, you know, the yeah, buck-toothed Japanese guy, you know. But, um, no, it, it was very interesting in that respect. But, again, the second half of the film just drags, What dude. are we doing? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, it, what it, are we doing? I really yeah. don't need any the, the, the parts with David Bowie and his kid brother. like um, His hunchback yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> it's hunchback. He's just a child. Like, he's <laughs> No, he had, no, he had, like, he had, like, a, uh, uh, maybe it was an optical illusion. I thought he was handicapped. Wasn't no, he? Uh, it was just no. a child. Okay. Like I was looking I, for I it. I phased no. out. 
I phased out. I thought I said something about hunt him being hunchback. I, I, I yeah, oh, I didn't know what they were doing with that. I was like, he's supposed to be deformed or something. He's... Sing, loser, sing. The best shot of the whole movie, though, is in that sequence, in my opinion, where the kids are here and doing, you know, fucking up the brother, and then David Bowie's on the stairway. Mm-hmm. I love how yep. that shot. I did like that. that yeah. That's that's the best. It shot is, you know, it, that's a bad scene, but that's very well done. Yeah, the the scene though is just for like I, that was. That was one of those moments where I was hitting the forward button a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, it was just like once yeah. it was like the go, yep. once the kid was like, oh, no, no. I'm like, I don't need to watch 10 minutes of this kid singing. OK, like, dude, you know, hey, I'll just say this. You guys found a link by the time you guys had passed the link. I had already paid three dollars for this. <laughs> I did, too. So no, I couldn't find too, it because I did. I did on YouTube and I was like, great. It's on YouTube. No subtitles, but they're burned in Spanish. And YouTube is trying to auto-generate what Japanese is yeah, in English by the way That's it why sounds. So when it said, my daddy loves to lick my balls, <laughs> I went, nope, that's not right. And uh, I like, I, 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 I turned it off and found it, bought it on Amazon. I don't know. Maybe it is right, Nate. Who knows? You know? yeah. <laughs> We're talking about cultures here. So. So. <laughs> I should have sent that link earlier is what you to quote uh, one of GTA's best creations Princess Robot Bubblegum their anime series we're running out of money for dubbing <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well yeah I, I guess I'll uh, I'll <laughs> I guess I'll share so, links. So, so I had I had a very uh, eventful time in the morning trying to get it to work, and I gave up and spent three du- three bu- ducks. Three fuck, ducks. I, ducks. Yeah, I, it, I did say ducks, but it was, fuck. Say, go ahead. It, it's funny though. Like after, yeah, I paid for whatever, and then I found out on YouTube. I was annoyed, but after finding out all this information and stuff, I want to watch this movie in six months. I know it's going to be similar to what I watch now, but. I don't know. It's you can do that. <laughs> I will. Yeah, but it's like yeah. I don't know. It's just um, I feel like this film definitely needs at least a rewatch if you're into like you know art house stuff, whatever. But there's just so much going on that if you have the user manual, it's like oh appendix B, you know, just to like get the full experience. But I don't know. It's a it's definitely an interesting film. And to add something on top of that. I just finished an amazing memoir called Thunder on Baton about the uh, American Filipino tank units in the Filipino campaign. Really great. It talks about their inception, um, them fighting in combat in 41 and 42, and then their hellish experiences at Camp O'Donnell and all the other POW camps on Luzon, the Philippines, and Japan. So I know what they're trying to do with this movie, and especially after having the user manual, you know, and like researching it and stuff. But Literally reading stories about the Bataan Death March and guys dying in hell ships and all these horrible things mooked in in Japan and like with the American National Guard guys from this book and then watching this movie, it's like a POW camp in the Second World War, a Japanese POW camp in the Second World War is not a place to have a cultural discussion. Like stories about a fucking Dude. American sailor had a fucking tattoo on his arm and an American flag and Japanese soldiers cut off fucking arm off. Mm. I mean, the real brutality of, of these people in these situations is way, 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 way worse and almost unimaginable to what is presented on screen here. You know, yeah. and again, it's a film, whatever you want to say, it's a film that's using a, a situation as set dressing to, to talk about cultural experiences. I get that. But personally, <laughs> reading about Hell Ships this week 
and watching this movie like the same day, it's like, yeah. Uh, the real war will never make it outside of what it was. No, but it's like, watch The Great Raid. That's such a good movie. They touch a lot on how bad the Japanese were, the 10 man rule and everything. And like, this is like just such a, again, it's a cultural, you know, discussion, whatever, but it's such an abstract of the reality that it's like, ah, just watch it and don't think about it. <laughs> you know? I, I agree with you on all that. In in terms of definitely just like, yeah, don't, don't use this as a, moral uh gauge compass to like how the pacific war really was <laughs> and i so. i have heard about this film a lot from a lot of different people over the years like not a film that's like i just watched this and you should watch this it's like every few years i'll be like this is the best movie ever have you seen it it's so amazing it's got david bowie in it and it's like oh and then it goes away and then it will pop up and so i was expecting a lot more out of this like kind of like how the siege of firebase gloria has this cult following for some fucking reason and it's like just <laughs> two hours of like bad one-liners and like fucking head steak Viet Cong. like i don't even know and it's like again like why does this film have such a crazy reputation and even if you look online like what people are saying almost done you know with, with shit it's like you, go, Nate. <laughs> you know people have such visceral reactions to this and it's like oh my god you know, uh, the, the director is a fucking genius because he was able to disarm. And it's like, again, this is just a it's all over the fucking place. You know, it's like it's such an abstract idea. What's trying to happen is it's so far out there. It's hard to understand, even if you know the narrative. Like, it's just very fucked up. Um, the only thing I was going to say was there was a we've even had a few comments recently asking for this movie. Really? Yeah. Mm. And I can't remember what who it was, but they were like, I th- I've seen like two or three comments in the last like six months asking us to do this film. So it has a cult following. Now you fucking have it. <laughs> yeah. You happy now? <laughs> Somebody commented on for a Halloween thing of this is their 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 Halloween costume. They could have it would be uh what do you call it? Lieutenant uh, Yonai's, which I agree with. I love the Japanese officer uniform. Don't get me. We have a friend of ours who has an amazing impression for a Japanese officer, and it's it's hot as fuck. Like even the, the the fucking sword, the leather sword cover and everything. Like, oh yeah, I'd yeah. kiss him. Uh, I'd yeah. kiss Matt. Yeah, sorry, Matt, if you're listening. To this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I was, but like, well, I just watched this movie, so it's changing me. But you know, but as far as that's saying, I mean, Matt, when you get out of your car on Friday to the event, not like Sunday sloppy fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what what I was gonna say in, in terms of what Brian was talking about with that, and what like you just said, Nate. Um, when I was watching this movie, I said to myself this is probably a movie that previous generations love. Like this is, I can see this being one of those movies to where like guys in their fifties, like fucking love this movie. You know, like it seems like one of those. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess I should have been alive back then. I should be British or something. I don't know. No, you don't. But, um, (laughs) but it seemed to me as I was watching, like this seems like one of those movies that a lot of people like, you know, but I'm just a little bored by it. It's like the Big Lebowski. <laughs> no, it's a joke, asshole. I'm not saying it's like not even close. It's a joke. I'd say it's more like Brokeback Mountain. That's Brian and Mike both give me looks. It's just a joke. Yeah. <laughs> the, the point is the the point is, dude. <laughs> Brokeback Mountain and this movie have a lot of similar motives. I'm just saying. Brokeback Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. Brokeback Sabuku. <laughs> Mike get to go. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Is there Rolfs around here? 
Yeah, is there else around here? Um, do we want to jump into IMFDB? Uh, let's do it. I got trivia. Sticker trivia. One other thing, and we'll jump into that. So okay. yeah, just to jump off that, I really feel like people remember this movie because of the casting, because it's got Bowie in it, who's an amazing musician. And if you like Bowie, and, and like for anybody that likes any you know musician or actor, you uh, you want to watch all their stuff. So because David, you know Bowie's so popular. Along the way, people that are Bowie fans are obviously going to watch this. Also, he's he's good in this. Like his his acting is really good, and like that's why I'm pissed because they could have taken that character and made more of it because he did a good job. When and yeah, when he's in the the courtroom and he's got that like death like thousand yard death stare. Yeah. I was yes. like, this is fuck yeah, this is fucking glam rock guy. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. I I love music. I respect Bowie for all. So I mean, I'm knocking it all, but it's like. Wow, like respect, like seriously, yeah. like if you could, you know, if he was put in like a, like a little different role, like a, you know, like actual combat, like commando film like this, I think he would be really good. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're know. like, what's your name? He's like, I've already fucking answered that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I've never seen him. Get, I've like, only seen him in a handful of movies. I've never seen him give a bad performance, though. Yeah, no, no, no not at all. And like, it was really good. And that that that's again why I, I bitched about his whole role in this, it's like you fucking had an opportunity and you just, it, the, the character was fucked. It was just, it, it was um, constrained, very much constrained. One dimensioned, I think is what you're trying to say. No, no, it's no. not one dimensioned. It's just, he was there. Mm-hmm. He could play the fucking part, but it was just fucking, it was, it was constrained because they didn't want to make, I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck and, the intention was, but like, yeah. And vice versa, you know, the other lead in a way, you know, Lieutenant you, Lawrence? You and I. Well, oh, you and I. Yeah, I said in a way, you know, he yep. is. Uh, right, I'm gonna fuck this up. Ryuji Sakamoto, who is a, you know, he was a famous keyboardist originally in this orchestra group, but he also became solo artist, and he's fucking mm. huge. He's just as big as Bowie was in Japan, and he passed away this year. He was 76, and. All uh-huh. of, the, and he also did the soundtrack for the film, which I have to say, I love the soundtrack. I really do like it. It's very, very early eighties. It reminds me of Gallipoli, but instead of Gallipoli, it works. Right, this works. Right. You know, and because it's like even like this, the instrumental, like I just, I like it's it. It's not overdone. No, it's, it's overdone. enough. Yeah. you know. Yep. Yep. I, yep. I, I will say it's not overpowering. I, as an editor, the fading of the music makes me cringe. Um, the <laughs> the delivery of it sucks. In, as an editor, it sucks, but I I thought the tune was catchy and in period for early '80s, and I didn't hate mm-hmm. it. Gallipoli is so overly blown loud that you can't hear anything going on, um, and it's just random. At least this had different themes, different tones, with the same kind of feel, but it was the editing of the music that was getting annoying. With the music was my only for, complaint with that. For people that are music nerds, um, the band that. Uh, Sakamoto was in while he was in this uh, yellow magic orchestra was also was very similar to like Kraftwerk's music you know like late 70s electronic and everything it's almost like the Asian version of that like softer tones but you still have synths and stuff and it just makes sense like I, I totally be like oh that guy made this another Axis so. power band yeah <laughs> 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 and on that note <laughs> we have this week's sticker trivia. So the most famous 
Second World War Japanese POW film has to be Bridge on the River Kwai. The Bridge on the River Kwai existed. The River Kwai existed. But what country does the bridge in the river reside in? First person to let me know what country the Bridge on the River Kwai was over gets a sticker this week. By the way, the movie that Nate was talking about earlier, the Kiefer Sutherland movie, is called To End All Wars. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the movie. The Kiefer Sutherland movie? <laughs> yeah. Reefer Sutherland. There's another one that was uh, one of our followers recommended to us that we have to watch. I have to get the name of it. But it's a POW film with, uh, oh, God. It's got somebody really famous. who I have to look it up. I don't want to fuck it up. But what it got, the it's, fuck are you talking about? I'm going to do it give me two. Yeah. Give me two seconds. I'll let you know. But anyway, let's go to IMFDB. Luckily, there are only three goddamn things. <laughs> Mike, Mike's got some spice tonight. <laughs> I'm angry. No, it's called Farewell to the King. It's got Nick Nolte in it, and it's from 1989. Oh, Nick Nolte. This is like Donald Trump in his next fucking election poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. A, I looked up the trailer. It's very interesting. Do you just compare David Bowie to Donald Trump here? Well, I mean, let's be honest. He here. does look like orange. If this man. was Donald Trump's <laughs> next poster for 2024, would you like be upset? You'd be like, "That's fucking cool, right?" Uh, it's good artwork. Yeah, you know, I like the style. Right. So it's like there it, are it, a million posters for this movie, by the way. Some really insane Japanese ones. Oh yeah. Like I think I sent you guys one of the crazier ones I found the other night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's fucking awesome. Like again, it's not a bad film at all. Like it's it's an interesting again, film. It's you know, just weird. I, I love the first half. It's got a yeah. lot of intricate violence in it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's do this thing. God, white gloves and palm trees—they go so well together, don't they? The Type Thirty Eight. <laughs> uh, white dude. Boom. They had whites in the Japanese military. Historically, historically incorrect white guy. You know. There was a whole brigade <laughs> of white Russians that fought in the Japanese military. Oh my God, he is. Yeah. yeah. Also, their, their fucking putties are not wrapped correctly, yeah. by the way. That's an art. No, but at least they have them. I've seen some I've seen some films that don't even have they them. They don't have the, 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 yeah, they don't have the X's around them because they have the, the last loop that you go right. over. Right, they, yeah. they didn't fuck around with the, the fucking, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. The field so. gear looks right, though. Yes. It's funny, Japanese soldiers and films are a mixed bag. I also do love how, like, they're sweating at points, but their pockets are are fine, which is, again, what happens, because, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. it's how it works out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're sweating profusely in them. Yep. Yeah. All right, so the Type 38, yep. Oh, I love The this. Type 92. The Woodpecker. The fucking Woodpecker, yep. Very cool. That was really cool to see that. Then there is a guy with, like, um, an LMG. There's a guy with a Type 99. It's the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Type, yeah, he's just standing up, and I'm like... <laughs> that must have been a prop because there's no fucking way this guy is just gonna sit. Hold there. it, hold it, that whole. Nate just walks time. up to right. him and goes, "Do you know what that mag costs? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, it's more than the gun." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So here's another part of like th- this is the second half of the film. So they they set up the Type 92, the machine gun, right? And you're like, okay, it's gonna be like a great escape. Like they're gonna just fucking execute them all. What the fuck happens out of this scene? Nothing. Is this the scene where David so, Bowie kisses the guy? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so... And it's like, so what the fuck were you planning on doing versus 
what didn't happen. Like it just—I don't know. The, so the officer just stupid. got pissed off, and he said, "Everyone, get out here!" And then the hosp- the the yeah. patients in the in the hospital came out, and he was like, "You're not actually sick. You're faking it. You're you're not sick." Yeah. yeah. I was like, "Well, yeah. someone just shoot this guy." Like I can't take this. <laughs> That's the actually that was again a cultural thing that I I did like. And they're like everyone outside now, and then this isn't everybody. Again, he is just like very literal things, you know, that, that are differences. Well, he's also being an asshole. Well, at that he, point. he is, he, but he knows that. But that's yeah. a yeah. This isn't everyone. Mm-hmm. How much do you play into the words, you know? And again, it just no. And that th- th- that didn't like piss me off at all. I'm like, yeah, if he wanted to be an asshole and it was culturally like, no, not everybody's here. Get them the fuck out here. That's reasonable. I mean, not, you know what I'm saying? It's not reasonable in the real thing, but like in his mind, yeah. No, not everybody's here. Get them here now. Yep. And the so, guy yeah. dies coming out. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's at main nine. Oh, this looks nine. so fucking cool. Fucking awesome machine. It's an Asian Bren. Is that a box of ammo down by his feet? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Japanese nope. had wooden crates like that. So, similar to the Soviet crates. Wouldn't it also be kind of similar to like the Italian uh, Breda 37 crates where it's like the, cause they, they ran on what, well, not the type 99, but the, the woodpecker, the one we just saw. The, yeah. The, and, and they came yeah. in uh cardboard. No, they came in like uh not paper, but it was like some type, some type of pressed paper material. And they had a sleeve on them that was three quarters and then one quarter. And what hmm. you do is, is you take off the one quarter and put it into the gun. So most of your rounds are covered by a paper sleeve. And when you had to get into action, you take that off. So that's oh, how you oh, uh, sorry. The way you were so. describing, I thought the magazine was made out of like fucking paper mache, and no. I was gonna be like, that would be really bad. <laughs> the feed strip has a, a cover on it, unlike Hotchkiss or the other ones, and it's made in a way okay. where you can you can just take part of it off, and the part that goes into the gun is there, and the rest of it's covered by paper. So you can also it had to be rest. oiled. The, the the rounds had to be oiled. <laughs> I, I I think I I think I made Michael laugh. Sorry, I just had the thought hard. of the paper mache. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that. Sorry, Brian, but just yeah, just the thought of that, yeah. like you know, the Japanese are just they're using in the paper. jungle with rain. Yeah, it just, it's falls just like apart. The, the guns yeah. just like chewing this up like it's you know nothing. Yeah, the Hotchkiss has an internal oiler just like the Type ninety two because they're based off the same and it's on top. It's that really big knob you see in all the photos. That, yeah, it's, it holds like a shit ton of oil. So never enough though. No, it's never enough. But they they were known for lubricating really well. Like I don't really hear a lot of stories about them jamming a lot. They were very and again they're so heavy. You keep them in one position, you keep them clean. I mean, you're really not going to have a problem. The only people that the only thing that Japanese soldiers complain about those particularly is that they're very complicated because the Hotchkiss have a lot of moving parts, you know. But it's the just it's the best version of the Hotchkiss. So heavy as crap. Cool. Well, I think we have made it to final thoughts. Dun, dun, dun. I'm glad you're using a pen and not a, that squeaky ass marker you used last week. Oh, where is it? Oh my uh, don't <laughs> God thing was a thing screwed me so many a, times. I have a squeakier one. Cause, maybe, cause you yeah. do this thing where you talk and you also cross it out. Cause you're going through your thoughts and it goes like, you're like, yeah. And this important, this important thought I'm going to say while I squeak. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Oh God. Ah, <laughs> ah. ah. <laughs> don't like that. Like, not an ASMR, man. You're not a fan of ASMR. What's wrong with you? 
<laughs> Only John. No, it's not my kink. <laughs> I'd fuck me. Because yeah. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard. <laughs> Do you feel satiated? <laughs> I must now consume your soul in order to become... A real boy. I hate it how you got the breathe in and the breathe out. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But it's fucked. It, 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 it's it's amazing, but it's fucked. You're a great big fat person. Yeah. Oh. She a great big fat person. That's my favorite line of his. Mm. Yeah. No, dude. He he did. That like in Shutter Island, like nobody really knows. I know you guys do, but like he's like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Oh, I think you do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's Buffalo Bill. Yep, Ted Levine. That's the actor's name. Would you yeah. fuck me? I fuck me so hard. <laughs> and fuck me. Fuck me. And fuck me hard. <laughs> fuck me so hard. It's two a.m. in Mike's bedroom tonight. And he just walks in fully naked with a Japanese cap on. And he just goes, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Today, 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 you will become a real boy. (laughs) Yeah, not good. Not good. We should just just conclude the podcast with this. (laughs) (laughs) You'll become a real boy. I can't do it. All right. So. Let's just. Who wants to go first? <laughs> mm. Michael, you brought us into this. Let's break All right. out of it. So, um, yeah, this movie uh, has some interesting things in it. It has some unique things I've never seen. You know, some touchdowns and stuff. But my God, is it uh, pretty boring at times. And I just wanted it to move along uh, in certain cases. And there was a lot of things on it that the movie was really heavily focused on that I didn't really care about. You know, um, I wish it focused on some other stuff. That's just me personally. What was that, Nate? I saw you make a thing. (laughs) (laughs) To focus on certain things. No, Nate. Oh, yeah, sorry. Docking. Yeah, sorry. Circle jerk. Yeah. Circle (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that before. That's That's amazing. I got to add that to my repertoire now. That's amazing. I don't care if the movie wants to explore homosexuality (laughs) in a prison camp. I mean, I don't want to see it, but uh, if it want, they want to talk about that, like fine, you know, whatever, if it's interesting. Uh, But I don't care about a lot of the stuff with, you know, the 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 relationship with, you know, David Bowie and the uh, Lawrence, you know, um, all that stuff. And then talking more about going into David Bowie's character, all the stuff with him back home and stuff. It's like, I don't really care about that. I um, was more interested in the uh, Japanese cultural aspect and how they operated and all that stuff um, and how it played into the prison camp. You know uh, that I felt was more interesting and uh, I just didn't really like where the film was, what the film was focused on. So I think I'm going to give it um, five out of 10. So I'll pass it on to Mike up, up up there. Yeah. It's um again, the first half of this film was interesting because it was like, okay, yeah, it's um the dichotomy of like the POWs and the Japanese who are um tasked to oversee them. And yeah. You know, then David Bowie's character gets introduced and it's like, what are we doing here? Again, I, I've said it a million times, but like in the final thoughts, it's like, 
where are we going with this story? And then, yeah, at the end, it's like, okay, so the sergeant and Lawrence, who were, you know, arguably the main characters of the film, they're together and, you know, whatever, he's in a cell and it's like, it's like a lot of wasted fucking time saying something that is irrelevant to like what the story actually is. You know, it's like, okay, you get this one guy that's thrown in there. He, he's the wild card, but he doesn't ever do anything and whatever. Okay. So long story short, everything I've said, um, I'll give it a 6.2 out of 10 because it wasn't unwatchable. It's not like terrible. Like again, for the first half of the film, I was like genuinely into it. And then it just fucking goes downhill and it, it's fucking irritating. But, um, yeah, 6.2 Brian. Yeah. It's, um, it's a mixed bag. It's, uh, it's a movie that tries to do too much. It's a movie that has very strange, very narrow goals, but it just, they're so easily convoluted. You know, it's like, it's such an examination of cultures that so much is lost because of the difference in the cultures. And then you remove 40 years. So it's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and for a film that so many people talked about, it really did not live up to what the hype is, in my opinion. Correct. Um, you know, that being said, I, I, I do want to watch this again because now that I have done all the research, I want to get my time back. Now it's like, I, I, I see the meaning. I see what the attempt was here. But just uh, it's very convoluted and it doesn't work. It just goes to show you that, you know, there's some really amazing art house films, but there's so many. What is going on like that? What is, I think it's called Page of Pomegranates or whatever that that famous Soviet film. It's like that one is so fucked up and out there, but it's like one of the best art house films ever made. So it's just I don't know. They're very strange. That being said, I'm going to give this a four point five out of ten. Um I think it's watchable. I don't think it's a good Christmas movie. Um, you know, <laughs> no. You know, no, I didn't even yeah. think about it. Harry Carey Christmas is not cool. You know, I mean, I'd much rather fucking, you know, watch uh, anything from Charles Dickinson. But uh, yeah, so 4.5. Mr. Nate. Yeah, this one's hard for me to kind of give my final score on. I mean, like, I, I see where the attempt is um, all throughout the film. I think it's a very interesting attempt on a time period um, and a scenario that doesn't really get much attention in the way that this film portrays it. And I mean that more of the sense of, like, the cultural aspect, of uh, mainly from the Japanese side and I think, you know, so far from what I've watched in my life, that's what I mean. But like, I think it it is it is very interesting, the stylistic choice and the way to go about such a thing. However, I suffered a lot from it just being a a good 45 minutes too long for me. Um, you know, I, I think I understand what they were trying to do and I understand the point of David Bowie's character and the whole reason why you put a plot, uh, you put a, a whole backstory behind that. However, if you asked me, and I think I said that at the top, it's like my main interest and actually my more engagement of the whole film was Mr. Lawrence and the Sergeant. I wanted to have more of that 
because I think the more of the kind of I, I think someone who was willing or who did not was willing to live and did not want to did not want to lose at all. He wanted to keep on going with Mr. Lawrence. And I think that's more pivotal than David Bowie's character in that sense to me. I also thought that the sergeant's, um, you know, kind of weird twist to the plot of him getting drunk and sparing them. I thought that was really unique and really interesting. And I really liked that thought to it. Um, I think it also is just funny because just the dynamic and the way it is. It's like, you know, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. It's like Christmas in the Pacific theater movie. Like, okay. Like, you know, (laughs) it's just like, it just was so out there. And like, he's saying, I'm Father Christmas. I spared your life. I just thought that was really cool and and endearing. And that moment really shined. It just, to me, it feels like it's kind of like that, that those interactions and what they're trying to end the film on it just feels very almost like, Oh, this, this also happened. And to me, I feel like David Bowie's whole arc tries to overshadow the whole thing. And to me, I'd rather have the opposite because it just, it felt like that needed to be more of the emphasis. Maybe it was, but to me, and maybe it was trying to just get through the last 45 minutes of the film, that whole ending scene just felt very flat. And I feel like that should have been a more grandioso arc in that sense. But, you know, in terms of the editing, I thought there's some very interesting shots. What Brian said, I thought the editing was okay for 1980s. The music's unique, but it's better than Gallipoli. And doing more research, and, and you know, having the research that Brian said about that being the the captain guy's music and all that stuff, I I I I hold it. I hold the music a little higher now because of that. Because there's more engagement with someone who's invested in the project, and I can respect that. Um, but yeah, I mean it. Very interesting points with the whole culture and the and the and the seppuku and all that stuff, but like, yeah, I'm gonna give it um, I'm gonna give it a little higher, probably than everyone. Maybe tie with around Mike B's, but I think I'm gonna give it like a set, uh, sorry, a six point five screen Mel Gibson's out of ten. There were just some things that I really liked about this in terms of a Christmas movie. Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> but should have watched know. a Midnight Clear instead. Yeah, yeah, like like. This this isn't there's no there's no there's no online debate whether this is a Christmas movie or not. This isn't a diehard <laughs> debate. This is this is absolutely not a Christmas movie. So, you know, it, it, it but it, but in terms of like the title, that's why we went with it. But uh no, I I I I I liked parts and I think I share the same kind of feeling that Mike B had. Like I like parts and Mike liked the beginning. So I think it just scores a little higher, but yeah, it's it's a weird all over the place 1980s movie, and I can see where it is. But like Brian said, you need a, a, a manual to fucking understand what's going on. And if I need a manual, I it's not going to score a high rank for me. <laughs> that being um, said, and putting all yeah. the scores in the computer that will tell us how many days in a Japanese PW camp will make you gay, <laughs> we get the Brian. score. <laughs> <laughs> we get a score of 5.5 out of 10. All right. So it's a very middle of the road movie, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like it's worth a watch if you're into advanced yeah. war films. Like if you want to put something on to watch something, watch something cool. Don't watch this. But if you want to watch something introspective that you want to spend three hours Googling after the fact, and this is a, great mystery subject because <laughs> oh, there's a whole genre of those you know so yeah yeah it's, if you want a movie and uh, an afternoon of googling then this is the film for you 
So. There's really only one shooting scene, and that's the fake firing squad scene. Yeah. Right? Yep. Which, Which also it was up. like... I was a little confused. The, the, their way of, of depicting that was a little confusing. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Hopefully you're not in a Japanese PW camp. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Scuttlebutt. This is our last episode of the year, so we will catch you guys next year. We're going to do some really cool movies next year. <laughs> you might want to stay tuned for that, because Stalingrad, this is not Mothergrad. <laughs> this is not Fathergrad. This oh. is Stalingrad. <laughs> oh. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> that? That's what Sean and I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> We'll say, we'll say, we'll say like something stupid, like, like something like just like, like, oh, I did this and we just go, and we do it to Brian all the time. We just, we just go, oh, uh, uh, oh, oh, it's so retarded. Like, <laughs> sounds like NPC sound bites. Yeah. Yeah. When Sean does yeah. it, it's so good though. It's so funny when Sean does it. Oh. He just goes, he Sean, goes, uh, uh, hey, Sean, you're listening to this shit innately. This in. You're a piece of shit. You need to be here. Go fuck yourself. Sean would be the perfect like cop from The Big Lebowski. Oh, separate incidents. Like <laughs> separate <laughs> incidents. Separate incidents. Fucking totally, Sean. Like, oh. You have his little notepad out, like, oh, Ooh. yeah, like yeah. slide into this drama. No, just the Creedence tapes, man. <laughs> or the Creedence. <laughs> or the black. Don't cop. fuck. Don't fuck with the Eagles, man. Uh, they were a nation. had a really bad day, man, and I hate the fucking Eagles. <laughs> I am totally on board with him with that one. <laughs> <laughs>